God has spoken to us, and this morning we get to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right, good morning. So great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and uh, I've been in and out a bit here and there for the summer, and it's just been so great to get the good report of what God's been doing here and, you know, getting to hear uh, different things and uh, absolutely getting to hear there about what he's doing in Guatemala. So um, if you uh, didn't get to hear that, um, I, I think we'll have it recorded there. Um, definitely encourage you to, to hear that. I was certainly blessed just by that, by hearing their, their report. And uh, yeah, those were, those were great things. And um, uh, so yeah, just a heads up, if, again, if you are new, um, welcome, great, to, great to, uh, to have you here. If you've never heard me preach before, um, just a heads up, I have a stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as, uh, as I go, and I just want to make sure that you all know what that is, and you're not trying to f- figure it out, um, you know, throughout the time. And um, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our time pretty quickly here in Ephesians chapter 4. We've been, you know, slowly but surely marching our way through Ephesians. So go ahead and turn with me there in, in the scripture. If you don't have a copy of God's word with you, um, would you go ahead and hold your hand up high and keep it up so we can make sure you have one and you can um, follow along. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, uh, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 4, versículo 29. So again, if, uh, if you don't have a Bible that you can, you know, call your own and take notes in and, and, uh, and, and learn from, please keep this, okay? It's our gift to you. Um, all right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into our time in God's word through prayer, because uh, his word has the power to, to change. Amen? All right, let's, let's pray together. Yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this uh, music expression we got to um, uh, join in and, and be blessed by. And Lord, all the different expressions of, of your character and your goodness, Lord, you are a big God. And uh, Lord, thank you that we get to we get to participate in your bigness together. Um, I agree, Lord, with that last song we even sang. I, don't, I was even wondering, Lord, how would you lead us going forward with that? I just even right now in prayer want to pause and, um, and ask that through your spirit, Lord, you would, um, you would give us the good news that uh, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord, that any chains that... Anyone in this room, all of us in this room in different forms, individually, Lord, communally, corporately, systemically, um, Lord, there I know in my case, and I'm sure in many others, um, family members, different people, again, our own things and other, other things that seem like chains that are so tightly bound that there, there's no hope. And yet that is not the, the, the message of your word. That's not the reality of Jesus risen from the dead, conquering um, all different forms of, uh, of enslavement. 
to sin and brokenness. So Lord, we pray that, uh, that, that you would reveal your good news through, through your word, through our time of singing, um, Lord, through prayer, and, and that we would leave here a, a hope-filled and changed people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, I read a, a fascinating article this week um, out of Psychology Today. Not that I read that. I don't want to pretend like I, you know, wake up in the morning and right after the Wall Street Journal, I pick up Psychology Today. Um, but I was kind of looking into what we're, what we're, you know, talking through this morning. And um, this article really spoke to the connection, the, the clear relationship between our hearts and words, both that we share and that we hear. And so here's what this article said. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We all know how untrue that childhood incantation is. Words do hurt. Ridicule, disdain, humiliation, taunting all cause injury. And when it is delivered in childhood from a child's peers, verbal abuse causes more than emotional trauma. It inflicts lasting physical effects on brain structure. The environment that children are raised in molds not only their mind, but also their brain. Words, verbal harassment from peers, and as a previous study from these researchers showed, verbal abuse from a child's parents can cause far more than emotional harm. Early childhood experience can either nourish or stifle brain development, and the consequences are physical, personal, and societal. And that's, you know, not an overtly Christian or even a Christian, even inadvertently, whatever. It's not a Christian, you know, uh, uh, article or, or you know, anything like that. Um, and yet we know, uh, as we've heard in different places, all truth is God's truth. Amen? Like, you know, God, and so if something's true, and in fact, I've, I've heard this, and it's, uh, we were even in a conversation with a friend earlier this week that, that, that so often this false dichotomy is created, kind of science versus faith or things like that. And we have professors of science in, here in our church and, and would absolutely, you know, push against that. And different people in undergrad or graduate school, you know, studying different sciences and things. And what we find, like this here, is that there's um, what we discover, science, Typically is what God has known and often case declared to be true all along. And we kind of learn and understand how it, all, how it all plays out. And so what we see here, that last sentence there, is that the effects of words said to us, good or bad, um, they, they can stifle or affect brain development. And the consequences are physical, personal, and societal Okay, that, they, in a nutshell, that fits into the big story of God, the truth that we see communicated in Scripture all over the place that, that, that essentially is that God created all things. And what we've seen specifically in Ephesians is that, is that all things come from Jesus and come back to Jesus, and that, and that Jesus rules and resigns. In a nutshell, we've kind of used this idea that he flexes his muscle, so to speak. He, he is putting himself and his character and his glory and his power on on display all throughout the world. And, and as we've marched through Ephesians, we've seen that specifically he chooses to do that through his church, his people. And, and yet it's not just on a blank slate, that it's in a context, in a theater, if you will, of a broken world. Okay, because when sin entered into the world, when uh, the very first people, God's first image bearers, Adam and Eve, 
He said, hey, everything you do, everything who you are, how you talk, the words out of your mouth, the things you do, the things that you, that you commit your hands to, uh, everything is meant to be um, flowing out of relationship, identity, purpose given by God. And yet sin is, is essentially no thanks God, is essentially not God. It is not your way, not your purpose, uh, my own. I want to make it the way I want to make it. And, and, and then just society, as we talked about here, and, and on an individual, physical, personal level, just unravels and brokenness comes in. And yet the, the good news we've seen in Ephesians all throughout is that Jesus has entered into that, right? In Ephesians chapter two, and we'll keep doing this as we walk through to kind of to make sure that we catch up, because especially as we talk about something like this morning, like words, right? It could be really easy just to focus in on words and to forget where it fits into the bigger picture that, that we saw in Ephesians chapter two, that, 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 that our natural state, right? Where we all come in here this morning, apart from God's intervention, is dead. Dead in sin. Dead in trespass. Dead in separation from God. And then the good news that we see right after that is, is, is the words, but God. All right, but God intervened. And that's this good news of Jesus. Jesus came, took on flesh, right? Like you can pinch yourself, that's flesh, right? Jesus became a human incarnate, con carne, with meat, right? And then he, he came and he lived um, in, in our world, in God's broken world that had been distorted by sin. And then he died on the cross and rose victoriously from the dead. And then Ephesians has been hammering this home. This is the good news of Jesus and that and the, and the God transforms hearts and, and, and brings new and that, that that changes everything. And that's not, okay, hear me right now, okay? Look, look at this, that's not one day You'll, it'll all get better. You'll kind of, you know, beam me up, Scotty, zap up to heaven and kind of float around ethereal, wearing a diaper and playing a little harp. And that's what Christianity means. But no, this is like real, right? You're right now. Uh, this is what, what faith looks like. And so let's read, because this, this was a, a massive shaping point in this whole book through Ephesians in chapter 4. Verses 21 through 24 um, says, now this is what that means. This is what it means to be found in Christ, okay, to have faith in Jesus. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, right now, when you, when you enter into relationship with God through the person and work of Jesus, through the transformation of your heart and you respond in faith to him, to where Jesus is savior and Lord of your life, there's, there's a change, there's a transformation, and, and, and that's what we just hear. And what that looks like is, again, not just something out there, but is now it begins, you put on, right, Christ, who you are, made new, forgiven, uh, for God, all things through him, right, and for him, and then you, you, you put off the old self, you, you put off sin, and that shows up in very practical everyday lives. And this morning, we get into how that shows up in our words, right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about anger. And so this is like real nitty gritty, dirt under our fingernails, okay? Dive into what does that look like? What does it look like to be, to be made new, to put off the old and to put on the new specifically with our words? So with that, we now get into 
verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Well, what is that, right? Well, get out your pen and paper. Now I'm going to bust out the list that is all the good words on the right side, right? Because right's good. And all the bad words on the left side. I'm actually left-handed, so I'd like to switch that. But, you know, right? All the bad words on the left side, right? And that's sometimes how we come at these things. And like, all right, what are the good words? What are the bad words, right? Any parents here, young kids, we know that, right? We, this is important. I know we got some educators as well in here and different people that see kids. And, and sometimes this is how we, how we relate with these, right? Oh, those are, those are the naughty words. These are the good words. And isn't that, that's how we want to come at God in our relationship with him is, okay, give me the list. What's the good things? What's the bad things? Well, just, there's no list, all right? A couple, like there's no clear list. Okay, here's an example. Okay, if you're, if you're struggling with me, and it's okay, you can kind of push back on this um, quietly for now. Um, but, you know, there, there's this, okay, you might think, well, no, there are some bad words, right? Well, I'm sure the worst of all words come to mind. Um, when we had young kids, um, we, we do have young kids, but when our older kids who just turned 11 were like really young, um, my wife and them came back to Arizona. We lived in California. They, they had just gone to, um, my wife's cousin had, had died tragically, and they went to a fun- funeral. And my wife's other cousin, his sister, was in the car, and they were talking, and, you know, it's just been a very highly emotionally charged time, as you can understand, and, uh, and, 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 and they just, to kind of lighten the mood or whatever, you know, the young kids started to sing songs, right? The kids sing, and different things, and there's one song that probably most of us have heard, you know, something along the lines of, you know, apple, apple, bobapple, fee, fiveful, faffle, you know, apple, right? And you kind of just, whatever word, right? And kids just throw out. Well, of course, inevitably, you know, truck gets thrown in there, right? (laughs) And so that, and so sure enough, right? They're like, wait for it, right? It's like you're watching an accident, a slow accident about to happen (laughs) and just kind of reaching out like, no, but you know, what do you do? Like these like three, four-year-old kids are, you know, are, are, are in that moment or just going there. So in that, right? And they did just to kind of let you know what happened. They yelled it out, like his, all their lungs just blurted out the F-bomb, right? And so in that moment, well, was that, does that go on the right side of the list? Like those kids were, you know, my wife actually pulled over the car and spanked them all and just, no, of course not, right? Like, (laughs) right? No, that's not how it went down. Like they just kind of, you know, her and her cousin kind of cringed together and like, all right, well, and, um, and you could think through this further, right? Like, how does that go? Different cultures, some of us may have experienced this, that words either in that culture when just said are incredibly inappropriate and offensive and evil or corrupt in our cultural context or vice versa. I've had a lot of these experiences in different cases where just talking in English and someone's like, whoa, 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 what'd you just say? Like never say one word just, I don't even, is zucchini, by the way. Zucchini in another Eastern European context, really inappropriate, corrupt, bad word, okay? So there you go. I just said zucchini, right? I'm thinking like the vegetable. So you see this, right, where it breaks down. So what, so what do we do with this then? 
Again, if we take God's word isolated and just dive in and, and just, again, let's be honest with how we approach Christianity sometimes. And perhaps you're not, you don't have a Christian background and you're, you're coming here to church and maybe that's your ex- expectation. And perhaps that's how you've experienced faith is like, oh yeah, you get a list. All right, I'm going to come in here about the list this morning. No, God, God is, is, a, is the great cardiologist. Okay, he's about hearts. Amen. He, he, he's after something much deeper than this word counts and this word doesn't. All right. And so, so how, do we, how do we approach this? Well, like we've done all along, right? Like we've talked about with anger, right? He says, be angry and do not sin a couple of verses ago. It's like, well, what is, how do you do that? It's the same idea. We lay bare, lay our hearts bare before God with a radical interrogation Okay, of evaluating individually of ourselves and alongside others in community. Having a consistent posture of interrogating, not just observing, like, okay, what? No, but interrogating. Not just externally, this word counts, this word doesn't, but on a heart level. What, what falls under the, the corrupt talk category? Okay, let me ask, I think we can all ask this question. By the way, kind of another, just like anger was, there is no finger wagging from up front. You all get this together, right? As I prepared this and um, laid bare before, it's like, all right, God, I'd kind of like to skip this one. Like, this, this is getting really convicting for me right now. Um, but, but together, right, we evaluate our hearts, lay bare before God, as we even see in verse 20, his spirit. What does he say falls under the corrupt category and what falls under the grace-filled category? Ask this question. Does everything that flows out of my heart, through my heart, and out my mouth, has it been transformed? Is it shaped by the good news of Jesus? Is it shaped by, by what God says is good, true, and beautiful? And what he says is evil, broken, and, 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 and distorted. It, it is everything, every thought, every word, every action, every belief on a heart-gut level, is it informed by the good news of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Because that's what Paul, the author here of Ephesians, is assuming when he says these words. And so that's how we come, out, come at this. All right, so now, now here's your list. All right, now get out. No, how I, how I thought that we could walk through this is there are a couple of categories. All right, so there is a list. Okay, I, I know I just said there's no list. There's a list of categories, right, that I think we can think through when evaluating or I- interrogating our speech. All right, so, so join in this interrogation with me. Okay, first, we consider is, 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 is my talk corrupt or is it grace-filled? Is it honoring to God or is it, is it, is it, is it broken and separate from, from God's way of, of viewing things? Okay, first would be this. When I talk about God, which category does it fall in? When I talk about God, does it reflect his glory, his might, his beauty, his, his power, his sovereignty, his authority? The fact that we see in scripture, especially well, even in the New Testament, right? If you remember when we were walking through Acts and some uh, one you know, couple dropped dead because they were dishonoring God's uh, Ananias and Sapphira, right? In uh, Acts, I think chapter six, right? They just, just lay down and die right there. 
there one after another because they were lying to God, the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, you see it constantly, right? The high priest, only one person once a year could even go into God's presence, his holiness. Okay, I know there's um, one thought that came to mind for me. I, I you know, grew up in a, in a home um, where there was love for God in some cases and some people, but others did not at all. And, and one person um, in particular would consistently say a phrase. He would, and he had a southern accent, so that might even come out right now. But he would say, God Almighty damn, all the time. And he would say, and not just God and then that, but he would say God Almighty first, right? Like God Almighty, and then damn would be after it. And it would usually be in a sense of accusation, of disdain, of frustration, of anger, often directed at young kids. Oh, man, you spilled your milk. God Almighty. You know, and some of us, right, that seems like, oh, man. Like I even, I think I even heard an audible gasp. Right, but then you, you think, well, how, how much just, you know, and we struggle a ton in our house. We talk about this, oh my gosh, right? Oh my gosh, well, it's not, oh my God, like that's, that's better, um, you know, and, and it is, I think. And, and that's where, again, I talk about this list, right? I don't know, okay? That's why, right, we together are laying bare before God the Holy Spirit, amen? I'm not telling you, so should, oh my gosh, never roll off our tongues? Like, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But where's that coming from, right? What's the heart level that's fueling that when it's, you know, again, I don't know. I do think there could be times when it's, oh my gosh, I personally, oh my God, is a little too close, right? It's a little too close to like, I don't know. That's kind of, that's, that gets us in the habit. That lets us swim in the, in the waters that begin to, to bring down uh, my view of God, my understanding of God. Who is he, all right? Does that, is that, um, so let's get a little, a little more uncomfortable together as we continue on. God, uh, second of the four kind of categories is, is God's, um, God's creation or God's economy. All right, what that means, I think, is, is that was a broad category of what God says through his word is, is again, good, right, true, beautiful. And what he says is, is horrible and evil and, and sinful and should, cause, and should cause trepidation. One example of that, right, of God's creation and God's economy that I think we just kind of are, 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 are torn back and forth from is, is things relating to sex and sexuality. Often, when you think of language and how, how God described how, how women ought to be talked about, how the human body created in his image, Psalm 139, so beautifully paints this picture of God's oversight and intimate design of, of, of the physical body. And yet how, how men and women, we just get really numb to just over-sexualizing in our culture and just throwing out things and even celebrating things that, that God says, man, that's broken. That's a distortion of how I created sex and sexuality and intimacy to be given. And, and we just kind of grow numb and, and, and participate in, in this. Well, again, one example I, I mentioned earlier, the F word, right? What that's connected to or related to uh, marital oneness between a husband and a wife under covenant before God and to one another. And it's just thrown out 
to, to, to describe uh, anger, uh, enmity, hatred, and it, it, let no corrupt talk flow from your mouths. I think as we interrogate, we see where we do that. And another example that, again, this is convicting to me. What the hell? Hell yeah. You know, these kind of things and, and just throw it out there. And man, as we read scripture, I know this is heavy, right? You're new. Welcome. Welcome to, <laughs> um, you know, we're told in scripture, hell is where people consciously live for all eternity, separated from their maker, where all goodness even right now, we all experience what's referred to as God's common grace. The entire world experiences that. Well, hell is a place that on the final day when all stand before Jesus and those who name the name of Christ, who have put their faith in him, will, will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, come into my kingdom, enter into my presence for all eternity, and it's glorious and good. And those who have not, those who have consciously rebelled against him and turned away from him will, 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 will experience um, Judgment, separation from God in hell. And I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that. I, I, it's true. It's God's word. And how have I participated in just bringing that reality down a bit with hell yeah, hell no. God's, God's, uh, God's creation on, on every level. Okay, second, I think another, another category is God's image bearers. All people, okay, this isn't just Christians, okay, let's, let's kind of turn the look at more and more on ourselves. Um, I remember when I was a kid, a young kid, and perhaps some of you could different things like this, I remember hearing things, um, I can't go down and explain it too much, but I remember like I dressed a certain way, I kind of grew up in early 90s, late 80s, kind of hip hop culture in more of an inner city and usually sagged my pants. Probably looked ridiculous. I was a little scrawny white kid, but, you know, still, um, I just, you know, kind of walked this way. And I remember people telling, hey, turn your hat around. You know, like you're going to look like one of those thugs. You know, and this is in church context. You know, hey, pull your pants up. Like you're, you know, you look like one of them. You're like one of those people. Right? Sometimes, especially in, in Christian context, we can start to evaluate who we can use words of disdain and hatred toward and who we can't. Okay, well, if it's in the church, if it's you know, Christians, you know, we got to be nice and, and put on, use church words. But when we're on social media, we're, we're again in church and we're trying to steer people in the right direction, maybe even well intended, but it's like, don't be like that. Don't be like one of them. Or we talk about a different political party, wherever you might land on this, right or left, and we just think, oh, all, all, all acknowledgement that these are people created in God's image can just be thrown out the door. Amen? That's broken. That falls in corrupt talk. And then final category, God's people. Okay, because again, this whole part here in Ephesians, if, you even, if you're looking at it and you just look up before all of chapter three has turned a corner and has gotten really, our chapter, beginning in chapter, um, end of chapter three and then into chapter four has been now about this is how God's people function. This is how you relate with the world out there and this is how you relate with one another. And, we, and you might be thinking, no corrupt talk flowing out of you know, Christians' mouths about each other. That's crazy, right? There's no... 
right? And, and sometimes the way we think about that is, oh, well, whoever fits in this room, whoever signs on this dotted line, whoever falls in this camp and this theological persuasion that just so happens to line up exactly with everything I, you know, believe and embrace, and everyone else, other brothers and sisters in Christ who believe this or that, they, they can be talked about. They can be called heretics, which, by the way, if you throw that out too quickly, you should probably look up what that word means. Um, you're in danger of being one yourself if you throw it out um, really lo- loosely and inappropriately. Okay, so, so we, we do that. And, and let's, come on, let's get, um, okay, I talked about my kids, right, in the van singing apple, apple, bull, bapple, right, and that kind of thing, and that, that word actually spoke. Well, we can church it up a little and in prayer be gossiping or slandering about another person, talking to almighty, holy God and slandering another person, one of his people who Jesus died and bled for and called to be his own. Let me read, I just uh, read this actually the other day. I don't have it up here, but what does this look like? I think like gossip, slander, other theologies. This, this word I just happened to read in Proverbs as I was kind of reading through the Bible in Proverbs chapter 26, verse, verse, um, verse 20 says this. It paints this picture of what, what corrupt talk among God's people can produce. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. All right. Uh, okay. Thanks for that. I knew that. Um, but it's connected to, okay, that's to kind of get our minds, you know, imaging something. Okay. Right. You can all picture that, right? You don't keep adding fire, the fire goes out or adding wood. And where there is no whisperer, that's a gossip, quarreling ceases. Where there's no corrupt talk, where there's no just embracing of gossip and slander and, oh yeah, oh yeah, hey, be praying for so-and-so. Did you hear? And then fill in whatever you want, because I said be praying for him on the front end, right? Let no corrupt talk flow from our mouths in every way. Well, why? Again, coming back around, because it's directly connected to our hearts. All right, do we all agree on that? Can I get an Amen. Your words come from your heart, all right? Say that again. Where do your words come from? Your heart. Okay, just to drive it home a little more, let's hear some words from Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 12. This is what he says about how speech is an indication of the heart. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure in the heart brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. Right? Your words flow from your heart. Now that we've gone into that, we, now we get into verse 30. Because maybe like me, you're reading through, and you read verse 29, you're like, all right, cool. There's a good list, all right? Nothing corrupt. I'll figure out what all those things, what falls under that category, right? Don't say bad things. And now Paul's gonna say, but say good things, right? So here's the list. But he doesn't. He kind of throws a uh, curve, right? That's a baseball term for some of you, um, you know, uh, that don't know those things. So I'm, he kind of throws us for a loop and he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Why would he say, evaluate your words, interrogate your words, and then follow it up not with, 
Those are the good words. Here's the bad words. But he just goes right to, so you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because again, as we just read, what comes out of our mouth is directly related to what's going on in our hearts. Because that's assumed. And so he, he says here, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, let me again, like, look, okay, lean in with me on this for a moment. If you are a Christian, or if you're not and you're here today and I pray that God is doing a work in your heart and drawing you into relationship with himself as he reveals his glory and his, his radical love for you, then what happens is when you come to faith, you enter into relationship with God. Language is used if you go from death to life. Okay, picture when someone is baptized, and this is how we go about it here. You enter into the water and you come out. It's an image. You are now dead to sin and alive to new life through faith in Jesus. And so this, and then what happens, and we saw it in Acts chapter two, Jesus promised, he said, hey, it's in Acts chapter one, he said, it's good that I leave, by the way, right? And how, all of us, if Jesus like physically walked in through the door, we'd be like, this is good. All right, finally, and it would be good. But when Jesus' closest followers were with them and they're like, Jesus, all right, here we go, right? Let's usher in your kingdom. He says, no, 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 it's good. I'm actually leaving. They're like, wait, what? He's like, all right, I'm gonna ascend to the right hand of God the Father, and that's what he does. And then he said, I'll be back, right? Like Arnie, Arnold Schwarzenegger says, right? But he was the original Jesus. He said, I'll be back. And then he said, um, but it's good. Before I come, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit. I'm gonna send the third person of the Trinity. Jesus didn't say this exactly, but this is what he's saying summarizing what, what all that he's saying, the full picture. He says, I'm, the, the spirit will come and, and, will, and will dwell in your heart, right? The fulfillment of the promise from Jeremiah chapter 31 in the Old Testament that God's spirit would now, his word would now be written on our hearts. So if you come to faith in Jesus, you have been sealed by God, the Holy Spirit. So your words reflect what has a radical, miraculous work of God in your heart. So what do we do with this? Do we leave here with the good list and the bad list, right? The naughty and the nice. And what, what do you just ask yourself, do I say a lot of naughty things, right? Or, or no, you evaluate. Do my words reflect a heart that has been transformed by the good news of Jesus? All right, if, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you say no, they don't, and I don't even know what that would look like. I don't even, man, my heart doesn't have good things, and so my mouth just, you know, acts accordingly. But then I encourage you. We'll have people in the back to pray. You could, you could indicate on a connect card that you want to talk more about this. God's, God's radically concerned with your heart. As you interrogate and evaluate your words, it's more of an interrogation of laying your heart bare before God. Okay, and he, he's calling you to faith in him. And then for, for, for those of us who say, well, yeah, I have put my faith in Christ. I am a Christian. I, I have been transformed. The old is gone and the new has come. But man, my words don't line up. They don't match up. Then again, let us in our time of response, in our time of singing, as you sing your own, you know, before God and together you hear your brother and sister, the person to your left and to your right, and you, you hear these things together. You say, God, continue to, to, to work in my heart because hear me right now. God's people 
are changed from the inside out. Amen? So let's continue to evaluate what he's doing on the inside so that we can understand and grow as people where, where our hearts, because the heart that is so saturated in grace results in words that are, that are, that are flowing with the good news of Jesus, with how we talk about others, with how we talk about ourselves, with how we talk about God, about God's economy, God's image bearers, and other brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. So let's pray and respond as God's people transformed from the inside out. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for your good news. Lord Jesus, uh, we could go a lot of different directions here in our time. And I trust that, that, that your word does not return void. Lord, that though the flower fades and the grass withers, the word of our God endures forever. Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, piercing the heart. So I pray that you will do your work among us individually and communally. And, and Lord, lead us to respond appropriately as your people. Lord, that we would be a people when we talk about all of life is all for Jesus. Lord, that we would be a people whose lives reflect transformed hearts. Lord, a people who are transformed from the inside out by the good news, the person and work of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.